It's the Season of Sam podcast. I'm your host, Yogi Roth, and this week is going to be interesting. We had a bye week last week. It was midterms. There's a lot going on with a short week heading to South Bend. And in this episode, we'll talk to Sam Darnold about that game at Notre Dame and how USC will fix it and his thoughts on that, as well as taking us inside the locker room amid conversations with his teammates. We also talked to another Sam, but this is Sam Hunt. That's right, the big-time musician, one of the top country music artists in the world, extremely creative mind musically, but you may not know. He's also a quarterback, also coached by Tyson Helton. So I think that dynamic between Sam Donald and Sam Hunt is something you'll truly enjoy. And then finally, of course, we'll bring on Tyson Helton to give a little insight into both Sams and the way they approach the game and, of course, how the Trojans will approach the rest of the season as they head off into the sun against ASU this weekend in a huge Pac-12 South matchup. Let's not waste any more time and welcome Sam Donald back to the Season of Sam podcast. Sam, it is playoff time. Dodger baseball, Justin Turner, World <laughs> Series, it's on. And I know you're a Dodger fan. Kind of an interesting time in sports in Los Angeles. As a sports fan, have a moment to kind of enjoy the excitement around that? Yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, being able to, first of all, be a part of, you know, something that we can still do uh, at USC, which is win a Pac-12 championship, uh, win a Pac-12 South championship. Uh, you know, we're still... We're on track to, to win the Pac-12, and, you know, we kind of still have our um, mindset on that. But at the same time, you know, you got the Dodgers in the World Series. Uh, that's awesome. And then you got, you know, the Lakers, uh, obviously the Clippers as well. But, you know, what's going on with Alonzo and all that, you know, that's always a story. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an awesome time to be in L.A. and be in the sports world here. It really is, and it's interesting because you're seeing it now for the first time in Los Angeles. When you're hot, you're red hot. When you're not, you know, you're, you're not. Mm-hmm. And you guys last week, I watched the film back. You obviously played it and probably watched it multiple times. In your eyes, simply, what happened in that ball game? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I mean, you know, I'm not going to make any excuses at all. Um, and I think that's that's the biggest thing, I think, to just be able to come away with, you know, lessons and uh, kind of moments that we can learn from and grow from as a team. You know, I think just the compound of errors that we had as a team, I think there's, especially when you play a great team like Notre Dame, uh, you know, a potential playoff team especially, um, there's no coming back from that. And, you know, when you get down, you know, when you have those those turnovers and then, you know, you compound some mistakes, um, it's just it's hard to come back from, you know, especially when you're down, when you get down, 21-0 in the blink of an eye. It's it's hard to it's hard to come back from that, especially you know a great team like Notre Dame. So what are what are conversations like with players? You know, I, I'm a believer, and I think you are too. Coaches set the tone, they set the narrative, they give you all the tools necessary to execute. Um, I watched that game back, and it seemed like there were some moments where it was like you referenced, whoa, 21 nothing like that. Like that. What do you guys talk about? That's a long flight back, you know. Obviously, you've had a couple of days since the ball game. I was curious, you know, with that leadership council of a couple of you guys, whether it's your roommates or some of the guys are getting a lot of burn, where are those conversations and, and how do you kind of write this ship after a week like that? Yeah, I think just staying with the process. I mean, not, not doubting anything, you know, not doubting, um, you know, what we, do in the, what we do in the weight room, what we do in the film room, what we do in practice. Just stay on track and... Because you know those little mistakes that we made in the game, they you know they get magnified, um, especially with Notre Dame. So um, you know it was good to look at the film and learn from it. But now we've we've moved on. Uh, we, we've been watching some tape the last couple of days of a great Arizona State team. Uh, we know they're going to be ready to play, and um, that's the interesting thing about football is you just got to move on and you got to. Um, you got to learn from from one game uh, like Notre Dame you know take take uh, take the bad and you know turn it into something good uh, and then just you know work on that in practice and then you know get ready for a great Arizona State team you know I've always felt that quarterbacks the psyche is the most interesting of anyone in all of sports maybe pitchers but pitchers don't play every every game right every time they're out there quarterbacks obviously you do you care so much at the position, right? Quarterbacks put in more time than anybody else because you have to. You're tasked with more, you know, checks and audibles because you have to, and that's part of the game or part of at least the system that, that you're operating. How do you deal with 
in-game, turning the page, but more importantly, moving on to ASU this weekend. Because you can't rectify it, but you do want to do so much to, to play as well as you know your potential is. Yeah, it's tough. And when... When you put so much time and effort into a game plan, uh, playing a team like Notre Dame, uh, it's tough to, you know, kind of just swallow that pill of, you know, such a big loss and um, stuff that, you know, we look at it on film. Uh, even that, that missed throw to Steven uh, that I had early on, it, it would have been 14-7, could have been a completely different ball game. You look at the fumble early on, you know, the first, first snap of offense is just... Um, you know, I wish that I could have some of those plays back, but um, at the same time, we got to move on, and that's that's the beauty of football, and that's also what's really hard about it as well. I love it, man. When it comes down to crunch time, how much do you love? Because it's going to come down to some moments where you're going to have to deliver. Obviously, games aren't going to be like Notre Dame the rest of the way. You got Pac-12 games to finish this thing out. How much do you love having to? make a throw that maybe major I always say you complete more throws than a lot of guys would even attempt. I'm curious your mindset and how much you love having the ball late when it matters, literally having the game potentially in your next throw. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, we hope that we could, you know, develop a lead and be able to, you know, relax kind of in the in the late stages of the fourth quarter. But at the same time, Pac-12 plays hard, and we know it's going to come down to some of those moments, and I embrace those moments. And I think you have to as a quarterback, and I think if you if you don't embrace those those moments, then um, you're kind of missing what football can kind of give you and the joy that football can bring to you. And I think um, just embracing every single moment that comes my way and um, every single opportunity, uh, whether it's a throw, whether it's scrambling, making a play, um, anything like that, whether it's, you know, watching the defense on the sideline uh, stop Utah on, on a two-point conversion. You know, those moments, those are moments you never forget. And, um, you know, I like to live in the moment. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes down to crunch time, those are kind of the moments that I live for in a way. You know, you talked about the World Series early on. Every game matters. For you guys, you could say the rest of the way is elimination play for the Pac-12 South Championship, as you referenced off the top. ASU this weekend. I've played in that stadium, coached in that stadium. It's Halloween weekend. That's one of those universities that's like kind of SoCal vibe because there's so many SoCal students that are there, so many student athletes that are there. 100%. Going into Halloween weekend in what will be a ridiculously crazy environment, probably the craziest it's been in four years at Arizona State, um, you know, since they won the Pac-12 South Championship. What what are you most looking forward to when you go into an environment like this? Uh, I think, just what I said before, I think embracing it, just soaking it all in. Um, but I think one of the cool things um, that that's awesome about football and the position that I play is being able to soak all of it in, embrace it, but also know what I need to do and know the game plan and know where my checks are, all that kind of stuff, but also embracing the moment. And I think um, there's a good balance uh, between those two things. And I think if I can balance those things, then I'll, I'll be good. I'm so pumped for our next guest, the guy that you know, Sam Hunt. I feel like he's had to embrace the moment. He went from writing songs for people to all of a sudden performing them himself. Mm-hmm. And then he had the number one album multiple singles that hit number one and burst onto the scene, kind of similarly to you, burst onto the scene. Curious for, for you, how did you meet Sam Hunt, and what are you most excited to learn from him as you finish off the last month or so of the season? Right. Um, yeah, I, I met Sam uh, through my coach, Tyson Helton. Um, he coached him at UAB, um, and also one of the quality control um, guys for the offense here at USC, Brian Ellis. Um just, you know, they, they know Sam. He played with Sam at UAB. So, um, no, I just I kind of met him through through them. Uh, so, but, yeah, I think Sam's story is incredible. Uh, just the way that I'm, I'm super curious, honestly, just to, to see where, um, to see how his, he transitioned from football to music and then from writing songs to creating his own songs. And, and kind of I'm curious who influenced him to maybe – start that, you know, song, you know, from being a songwriter to being a singer and to being a country artist. And, 
you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be an awesome conversation. I can't wait. All right, let's not waste any more time. Welcome country music rock star Sam Hunt. Sam, really appreciate the time. And I want to kick this thing off with the discussion around your creativity. Clearly, as a musician, you're one of the more creative minds in the industry right now. But when you dive back into your play, because I look at Sam, and, and when you watch him play, um, when I watch him play, I see one of the more creative quarterbacks in the country in the way he can find little spaces, find little areas to drop a dime in in between two defenders. I wonder if you, as a creative mus musically, were similarly creative as a football player back in your day. Yeah, I think... Um... I think it was a lot of it was a lot of imp improvisation in in the way I played. Um, I had uh, my biggest downfall, I think, as a quarterback was was my um, I had a bit of a handicap when it came to focusing and organizing uh, things mentally. That that helps me sometimes in the creative world when it comes to music, but a lot of times in football that uh, was sort of my uh, downfall. Um, so a lot of times uh, some of those some of that spontaneity was just uh, a, a lack of, of uh, uh, mental focus, I think, sometimes, which is something I struggle with a little bit, a little bit of ADD, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> so a lot of that creativity just was uh, um, was compensating for that and just being spontaneous at times and probably had a lot of luck going my way, I'm sure, too, in a lot of those scenarios. Yeah, you talk about uh, – and first of all, thanks, Sam, for coming on. Uh, it means a lot. Appreciate it. Um um, you talk a lot about that spontaneity in your game, and I think sometimes that can be my downfall as well. You know, um, when something's not there, I try to make a play, and, um, you know, sometimes the ball can get loose and all that kind of stuff. But um, just kind of want to dive in before before we get into your um, before we get into your music career. I mean, we talk, we t people talk a lot about, you know, what you do, um, you know, writing songs and creating your own songs now, but... Kind of want to just dive into your favorite memories of college football and what what separates college football from maybe any other, um, I guess, thing in life and maybe any other profession that you might find yourself in. Yeah, um, man, I guess one of the things I just right off the bat as you were asking that question that I thought of was the the lack of any kind of discrimination or any kind of advantage um any disadvantage or, or advantage that might come from anything other than just your ability um there's not really you're not measured uh with anything other than your your ability and your um and your uh and your talent and your strengths and i think um you know whoever's the best player plays you know regardless and um i think that's uh so you have to earn, you don't have to really earn, earn those spots. And, and, and when I played ball, you know, I had to really rely on, on hard work and, and beating out that, that, that whoever the other person I was competing with for that position. Um, and, um, and so I, I just had to produce, you know, and, and that's something that as I got into the real world, um, you realize a lot of people are, are not necessarily in the positions of success that they are because they're because of their abilities to produce. A lot of times they are, but um, there's a lot more that goes into uh, being successful in, in in the real world, and you kind of have to figure that out kind of as you go. But I didn't. I just sort of stuck, stayed the course, and, and relied on the things that provided success in, in the sports world, and that was just you know the, the hard work and. And realizing your strengths and leaning on those, and um, and, the, and the discipline and all the, and just knowing the difference between right and wrong, and, and all those things that that are important in the, in in, in the sports world, um, those those definitely translate in, in the real world as well, and it's have really helped me, in the, in the music industry. Yeah, and you talk about you know kind of, uh, I guess we talk a lot about here the the pressure that we can feel um, when. We do need to create, you know, on 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 the spot. And I just kind of wanted to ask you, um, maybe, what kind of pressures you might have felt when writing songs for, you know, such such well-known artists, and um, what kind of pressure they might have put on you to, you know, kind of create something. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I never really felt any outside pressure because there was never really ex any expectation from me. Um, I kind of I came to town. Nobody knew who in the world I was. I was just 
a guy that blended into the the crowd of 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 uh the droves of guys moving to town to pursue uh a songwriting career or a career as an artist and um so all the pressure that I felt was was pressure that I put on myself. I think I put a lot of a lot more pressure on myself because I felt like I was stepping into a world that I didn't know a whole lot about, you know, coming from the 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 football world, I really related to uh guys with an athletic background and, and those type personalities. Those those weren't necessarily the types type of personalities that were pursuing music, you know, that that had been pursuing playing guitar or writing songs or doing playing in bands, you know, their whole lives. I was kind of a little bit of a fish out of water, I felt like. So mm. I put a lot of pressure on myself to really put in that extra time to to try to uh, make up the difference, I guess, in terms of uh, just learning the skills that I'd need to be a successful songwriter. Just just simple things like learning to be a better guitar player or uh, learning the songwriting craft and, and really studying songs. Uh, and how they're created, and really learning from from guys who knew what they were doing, and, and kind of having coming into the whole thing with my hat in my hand and being humble—that was really, really important. But I did put a lot of pressure on myself because I'm a competitive person, and and that and was really helpful. That competitive spirit really helped me in the sports world, and um, I was I was competitive in the music world, but not necessarily wasn't competing against my peers necessarily. I was more or less competing against what I you know, just trying to reach reach the potential that I thought I might have in this music thing and and so um I do put a lot of pressure on myself but um that's uh to me that's that's when I really I guess uh, when other people put pressure on me I don't necessarily respond to that kind of pressure the same way I do when I put pressure on myself. So I think that was helpful in the long run. That's awesome. Now I, I kinda I wanna transition now into kinda your I guess music career. Um just because I'm super curious, just because I'm super curious about it. Um, so what was what was the transition uh, from being a songwriter to now creating your own stuff? And maybe who who was that who convinced you to maybe go on your own on your own path in that regard? That's hard to say. I um I had some roommates in college. You know, I mean, as a songwriter, what these guys do, you know, as songwriters, they sit around in a room and talk about their feelings, and they get emotional, and they get inspired, and they write a song. <laughs> That's not at all the dynamic of a of a locker room, as you know, or or the dynamic of a hang with me and my buddies that I played football with in college. So there's a vulnerable place you have to be willing to put yourself in right off the bat, um, and and that that was tricky. But I think one of the most vulnerable uh, moments for me in my whole transition was was picking up a guitar and playing a few songs for some for some football buddies originally, you know, um, not really knowing if these songs were any good or, you know, um, they had no idea that I played or, or tried to write songs or sing. So I played a few songs for a few buddies. I remember before going pick up a few bar gigs and, um, that was, uh, their response, um, was, was encouraging because I think those guys who who were my buddies, who were my roommates that I was playing those songs for, inevitably became my demographic. The the the, the guys and and girls too who I um, ended up connecting with with the songs that I ended up writing. You know, several years later, um, I didn't know it at the time, but that was um, that was definitely that in, that encouragement or that validation that I got from uh, just my peers in that environment. I think. Uh, helped me get rid of some of those stereotypes I think that I put on myself that may have prevented me from taking that leap of faith into the music business. Sam, Yogi here again. I'm curious that when you did make that leap of faith and all of a sudden, you know, you explode onto the scene with the top album of the year, multiple singles that exploded. How did you maintain the joy and the fun that you had when you played in front of your roommates and your boys? And I ask that because, you know, this whole podcast is about a master class for Sam and he went from being the guy who not a lot of people knew to the poster boy to now coming off, you know, a tough loss against Notre Dame over the weekend. And seasons can get long and your profession can get long, as you know, touring, etc. Um, how do you maintain and make sure every time you do pick up your guitar um, that you are playing in front of your boys and maintaining the joy and the love and the fun that you just described? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, one of the most fulfilling things about my process is that I've enjoyed, obviously, obviously I've enjoyed the success I've been able to find and, and the benefits that I've found 
personally from those successes. But more than that, I've been fulfilled by um, being able to bring my guys with me, you know, those guys who were my roommates who were struggling to find their calling in the music business as guitar players or as you know, a high school buddy of mine who's my tour manager now or a guy who's my manager who was waiting tables at a restaurant who wanted to find a way to wait waiting on all the big music executives who he's in the room with doing business with now you know at that time he was trying to find his way into the business and we were all just sort of had this little unit and we were trying to break in together and to uh to obviously that comes from that team mentality that i um that i experienced with football but that was um that's always kept me motivated and inspired is is knowing that it's not just myself that that is um is going to benefit from the fruits of of of, of these songs and these creations or this work on the road but it's it's a whole crew of people and now it's grown into you know a a, a crew of 30 or 40 50 people who um who work within our organization who who uh whose livelihood kind of depends on on the continued success of all this this um this this music stuff so um that that's really fulfilling to be able to you know with 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 people I care about yeah i think uh i think one of the coolest things that you know i've kind of experienced ever since i kind of burst on the scene and now <clears throat> kind of you know having to deal with losses and having to deal with you know maybe not play, maybe not playing as well as i sh- as i should have or that i would like to um how important is it to have that um like you mentioned, the, the close group of friends and maybe even family uh, to kind of know who's who's there, um, know who's going to be there in tough in tough times, and even when you're successful. Um, and how how important is having that uh, close group of friends and family? That's huge, man. And I think it's as you go through some of those experiences and you see those people who sort of come and go um, and ride with, with the waves of of success, even if it's on a week to week basis. Or year to year, or month to month, year to year, your your radar for for recognizing authentic people and and genuine camaraderie or genuine appreciation for for you and, and what you're doing, um, you start to you're able to hone, hone that in and you're and you're able to kind of separate those people who are in it for themselves and and who um, and who are not and you, and you're able to really you know, early on, I know it's sort of like you're, you're, you've got this coming to you. You want to take everybody with you, and then you realize not everybody's necessarily in it for the same reasons, and and you start to kind of learn who is kind of down for you, you know, for the for the long haul, and you and you keep those people close, and that's one of the good things about the. the the lower points maybe is that you do learn to recognize uh, those people around you who do care about what's best for you and you can keep those people close. And, and that loyalty is something that's um, very, very important to me. And um, fortunately I've, I've, I've been able to recognize, I was able to recognize those personalities early on in my career because I had experienced some of that earlier in life. You know, I think I learned a lot, a lot of that or my radar was, was honed in, in, you know, Growing up in in with, with in, my, in the sports world, I think, and 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 in, in other experiences in life, but um, that's 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 a something important that you can sort of the silver lining, I guess, in some of those some of those lower times. I also think um, you know, just looking at your resume, I mean, you've you've been able to learn from some of the greats in, in your in your uh, you know country. Um, genre of music with you know writing songs for Keith Urban and working with Kenny Chesney um, how have how have they um, kind of helped you in terms of maybe finding those people who genuinely do care uh, like we just talked about and but also not just that but also with you know music and how how have they what's maybe the biggest uh, I guess uh, just advice that they've given you well it's nothing against those guys, but to be honest, I haven't learned a whole lot from from the artists necessarily. Um, I um I am fortunate that they did record um, some of my songs, which kind of helped me get things going early on. But um, the 
man, the people who have really influenced my life have been people who were not necessarily in the, in the spotlight. Um, just coach it. Well, I guess like my, I'm lucky to have a really good father who's, um, who I'm able to lean on for advice and, um, uh, had a, a pastor who, um, is, is, uh, somebody who I was able to on a weekly basis hear speak uh, during my early years in Nashville. Um, a few songwriting buddies who were of high integrity because um, I met a whole lot who who were not necessarily. Um, and so a lot of the, I guess, I don't, don't want to call them role models, but a lot of the the people who influenced me early on were not necessarily the guys that you would think of um i just wasn't quite as close to some of those guys like the keith uh urbans or the kenny chesney but they did help me in, in terms of you know recording that music and helping me kind of get on the map <laughs> right yeah that's awesome and you know i think i'm I'm kind of the same way to be honest I've, I've learned a lot from even coaches that i had in elementary school you know playing basketball um learned learned a ton of lessons there um but yeah i uh i think i think having that close group and even that great family that you know it sounds like you do have and the close group of friends that you have is super important um kind of want to just because I'm curious I mean just can you talk about your NFL experience and um what that was like um because I mean I know a lot of people talk about your music career but I'm interested in what you dealt with in the NFL yeah I was um I don't have a whole lot of experience in that world but I you know as i was coming up on the end of my college career. We didn't have a lot of success in college um, in the years that I was playing. Um, I was able to, um, uh, I guess, get on a few scouts' radars and and had had some good um, some good workouts with some a few scouts that came down to Birmingham, and um, and ended up going out to uh, Kansas City uh, to the Chiefs. Um, uh, mini camp, like the May mini camps they have, um, and and worked out with those guys. It was awesome. Um, it was a uh, you know an honor to get to go work out uh, with the Chiefs organization, um, and, and you know it was it was kind of I was there for several days and and thought I did decent. You know um, I'd worked out a little bit in the spring and um, I to be honest I, I wish I'd had a little more experience i played i got hurt a little bit my junior and senior year and i just needed a little more experience especially in the uh in the uh in in the on the drawing board and really understanding the game a little more than i i should have spent more time that's one of the most important things i I think i I should have spent more time in the in the uh in the meeting rooms and understanding the game a little more but um but my experience was like i said was brief and and uh but it was it was an honor to get to go out there and work out with those guys. I didn't make it on with with the Chiefs and talked to a couple other coaches that summer about potentially coming out for a workout, but those didn't work out. And some of the other leagues, the, the Canadian leagues, and some of the other leagues that were, um, I think the arena deal was kind of going on then. But I didn't really have a whole lot of interest there. Um, I kind of had my heart set on uh, moving to Nashville for music, um, but. Uh, but it was a uh, it was it was an enjoyable experience to go out there with the Chiefs for a little while and the pace this the the pace of the of the game was was the biggest thing I guess if, if I could say the one thing that I, that was that was a big difference was the was the pace of the game of course playing at USC you, you're seeing a lot of those athletes um, every every week that are that are going to inevitably be playing in the NFL so I don't think it'd be as big a transition for you but that was the biggest difference that I saw. Yeah, and I think um, I think one thing that we talk about here is taking advantage of opportunities. And even if it was the Chiefs coming out to Birmingham and watching you play, just taking advantage of that opportunity of them looking at you and um, being able to earn a spot, whether it was on practice squad or wherever. Um, I think that's super that's super important in life. And um, we talk about it a lot. My roommates and I and um, Yogi and I always talk about. Um, maybe that one opportunity that we get to maybe put us on the scene. And for me, honestly, it, it was kind of that whole season leading up to the Rose Bowl and then the Rose Bowl performance kind of when I jumped on the scene. Um, curious of what that that moment was for you and what might have 
um, put you on the map and put you on someone's radar that, you know, allowed you to go play a certain gig somewhere that, that you know, kind of got your name out there? Yeah. Um, let's see. I think, you know, I, the the path to success in the country music industry has evolved a little bit. It used to be, you know, you put a band together, you hit the road and play the bars and the honky tonks and hope that one day maybe some record executive stumbled in there and, and saw you play and or heard about you and, and signed you. I was um I was a lot more interested in, in songwriting than I was getting on stage and playing in front of people. Um that was never really an ambition of mine. I just really enjoyed writing songs and um there's this community that I realized was behind the scenes in Nashville writing a lot of these songs that I, you know, grew up listening to. And I thought, man, if I could just break into that scene, I'd, I'd be completely content writing songs for, you know, the rest of my career. And um, so that's what I kind of started out doing. Um, but shortly, I realized pretty quickly how hard it was to get a song recorded by another artist. And I, so at that point, I thought, well, I'll be able to put a lot more songs out um, if I just put them out myself. And uh, so, so I decided to make a record as an artist, but it was the dedication to the songwriting that got me on the radar of, of the record label. So Keith Urban, who recorded the song, Kenny Chesney uh, recorded the song. They were, um, you know, these these A&R folks for the record labels. They, they, they're pretty aware of who the songwriters are writing these songs. And so my name started showing up on some, on some songs that were making it all the way to these artists and, and that were having success. Um, and to be honest, a lot of these A&R folks, Initially, when I was turning in some of these songs, or when they was hearing some of these songs, they'd say, "You know, this this is never going to work in country. It's not country enough." But fortunately, that's these guys, Ken, you know, Kenny Chesney, Keith Urban, Billy Carrington. They they recorded them and put them out, and people responded to them. So that changed their minds. So it was a combination of getting on the radar with some of the songs I was writing and having them recorded and convincing some of these gatekeepers that um you know i'd be worth the investment um and so uh those two things lined up just just right for me i think at a time when country music was changing in in the direction that my tastes happened to line up with excellent so before we let you go i think we'd be remiss to not reference that you and sam uh you do share a couple traits i know sam thinks he's a sweet guitarist and and maybe you are bro (laughs) but you guys share in your quarterback's coat no no i don't i don't (laughs) you should pick it up but but on that note um you you do share the same coach in tyson helton and i'm curious sam you know we watch all your performances sam and i we talked about this podcast in the summer and you're one of the first names that he referenced who he wanted to interview because he came from a concert and saw you perform so my question is how much do you credit your performances whether they're in sweet music videos we watch online or performances on stage to the meeting rooms with tyson helton well, I have to say right off the bat, I, I have to get zero credit for any performances to those meeting rooms. <laughs> <laughs> but but I did learn a lot from from Coach Helton, and uh, um, this 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 whole performance thing is something I just kind of had to learn on the fly. It was a whole foreign world for me. Um, but uh, but I really did, and man, Coach 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 Helton's awesome, and um, players coach. Uh, I think his he's part of the reason that I'm still good buddies with the other quarterbacks that um, I was in those meeting rooms with because he made it such a comfortable environment for us to, to learn and, and to fellowship as we, you know, we're, we're learning the game and pre- preparing each week for, for us, our Saturday, um, Saturdays. So, um, and I've kept in touch with, with coach Shelton since then. And, uh, and he was, he was young enough that, you know his his dad also was the coach there, and um, and and he was kind of the hard nosed guy. Coach Helton, it was kind of good cop bad cop. Coach Helton was the uh, was a good cop, <laughs> and uh, he was uh, he was kind of our our buddy too. So I've stayed in touch with Coach Helton and uh, and consider him a friend to this day. Oh, well, Sam, we appreciate you being a friend of the podcast. I know Sam was pumped, and uh, it was it was awesome for you to come on and share some insight with us on your career and your journey, man. Yeah, man, I enjoyed chatting with you guys, and uh, wish you wish you Sam the, the best uh, for the rest of the year, man, and and your career, man. We'll be following you and pulling for you. Appreciate it, Sam. Likewise, man. All right, buddy. 
All right, Sam. We'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, man. Y'all be good. See you. All right, what do you think? Sam Hunt? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, kind of just proves what I already knew. Uh, just such a cool guy. Um, but but at the same time, just um, the, life's le- the life lessons that he learned or that we can all learn from football, I think is, you know, I think it's incredible. Um, even, you know, a, a songwriter, uh a performer like him, you know, one of the best in the business right now, um, being able to tap into memories from college and be able to be such great buddies with Coach Tyson and be able to remember um, certain meetings. I think that's that's awesome, and um, that's that kind of goes along with what I'm trying to do here is just embrace every single moment I can, every single day, um, because, you know, in, in a moment's time it'll be gone. And, you know, I'm just going to have memories to look back on. And I think um, Sam Sam did a great job in kind of um, just, I guess, reinforcing that idea of being able to look back on college and enjoy every single moment. Yeah, biggest takeaway for me was when he talked about who he's competing against. You know, you were, were featured in a piece on College Game Day, you can check it out at USC's Facebook page over the weekend. And Tom Rinaldi starts off and he talks about, you know, center field for the Yankees. And he just talks about some iconic positions and he references quarterback at USC. And there's a lot of great ones that have played here. Here we are in Heritage Hall underneath all the Heisman trophies. And Sam Hunt gets compared to a lot of musicians, mm-hmm. whether they're country, R&B, pop, because he can cross over. But he said, you know, I really just compete to find my most potential and tap into that. And I thought that was really cool for a guy that is already at the top and wondering if that landed on you as well. Here we are coming off of a tough yeah, game. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think um, being, I think whenever, because I think I'm for sure my, my uh, I guess, hardest critic. You know, I'm, I'm hardest on myself for sure. Um, and I think that's super important. Um, but at the same time, it kind of comes naturally. And I kind of was like that even as a young kid. And I'm sure Sam was like that as a young kid. Um, so it's just um, kind of natural for me to think that way. But I think it is I think it is important to be able to um, kind of think that way as a as a performer, whether you're um, playing quarterback or whether you're on stage in front of you know thousands of people. So I love that. All right. So here's what I'm gonna propose: that when the season ends, we're gonna invite Sam Hunt here at <laughs> USC. Okay, dual threat quarterback. You're dual threat quarterback. I have zero threats as a quarterback, but I will moderate <laughs> this. And us three are going to do a little segment, and we're going to put him through some quarterback drills, and I think that he can potentially give you your first guitar lesson. How do you feel about that? No, that would be awesome. Uh, I've always kind of wanted to learn guitar, so um, if you know, um, if he accepts the challenge and he comes down here, that would be awesome. Um, I'm, I'd also be... I'd also be up to go to Nashville and visit him because I've never been there and I've always wanted to go. So I like it. Uh, All right, so there's yeah. a road trip. Tim <laughs> Tesla and Clay Helton, you guys are more than welcome to come. That was Sam Hunt. This is Sam Darnold. Sam Hunt, the challenge is issued. Will you come out to SoCal or will we come to Nashville? We'll find out. We're going to be back in a minute. We get to sit down with the quarterback's coach of both Sam Darnold and Sam Hunt, Tyson Helton on the Season of Sam podcast. Welcome back. We got Tyson Helton here, the USC Trojans coaching staff. Coach, we just had Sam Hunt on, and he talked about what he learned in the meeting room and if it helped him in his music videos and his performances. And he said that maybe didn't help him perform in front of the thousands that he does, but he did say the camaraderie allowed him to have such a unique experience when he goes on the road with his crew now, which is like 30 or 40 people. And I'm curious for you, um, number one, do you want to take any credit for his music career? And number two, what was he like in the, in the meeting room? I'm taking all the credit that I can get, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, you know, it's funny, the, the football world, how it transitions over to any profession, um, it's kind of like the military. You know, you just, you know, you, you learn discipline, you learn, you know, how to, how to perform in front of people, how to flip the switch. And, you know, Sam's always been that kind of guy. He's always been a guy that can get in front of people, could talk, and, uh, do do all the things you wanted to do, but being in that team aspect definitely got him uh, ready for those things. So um, it's cool to see kind of where his career is going. It's pretty neat. Curious when you guys would have team meetings, would there ever be times you just be like, hey, uh, Sam Hunt, just handle it and just start entertaining the guys <laughs> in training camp? And... He was unbelievable. Uh, you know, Coach Calway at the time was our head coach at UAB, 
And I can remember Coach Callaway walking in, and the, the way he would start a meeting, he would just say, hey, Sam, tell a joke. And Sam's jokes always started with stories. And, I mean, it was – the guys would be rolling. When I say rolling, there's men, grown men falling on the ground laughing. Uh, he – at a flip of a switch, I mean, he could just tell a story, tell a joke, break out in a song. Uh, it could be any song. It could be a gospel song, a rap song, a country song. I mean, he, he could do it all. So the team meetings were definitely fun times. And His uh, creativity, we talked about it right off the bat uh, in our conversation about taking – being a creative athlete, right? He's a dual threat kind of guy for you guys back in the day. And now he can obviously implement pop, country, R&B into his music. And I wonder, for a guy that was in the meeting rooms with, with Sam Hunt, when you're now in a meeting room with Sam Darnold, who also plays extremely creative, are there similar ways in which their minds work and how they see the game? Yeah, there's there's no question. I, I think both those guys are very similar. Um, you know, they're very creative guys. Uh, both on and off the field. I thought uh, both guys um, can make things happen when, you know, when, when things break down. Um, you know, there's a, there is a ton of similarities there. And in the meeting room, you know, you, you, you talk to those guys. You can, when I'm talking to Sam, I can see him thinking. You know, I can see him processing. I can see him hearing what you say, but at the same time, thinking about three other things that could happen as well. Sam Hunt was the same way. You know, he could... He would hear what you said, and he would say, well, Coach, what about if this happens? What about if that happens? And Sam Darnold's the same way, too. So there is a ton of similarities between those two guys, and I think that's kind of why those guys, you know, have kind of gelled a little bit. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a relationship there that they understand each other. When you talk about the position of the quarterback, there's a lot of pressure on it, and when you burst onto the scene – it can be interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Earlier podcast throughout this, this season of Sam series, Sam Darnold talked about how you don't take away his creativity. And even if it becomes an interception, you know, right. we've seen those plays also become touchdowns and explosive right. plays. What is the balance like for you as a teacher to make sure that we're playing discipline within the system, but given the flexibility to a creative performer like Sam Darnold? Right. Um, you want the player to always be what he is. And I think the big thing with, with Sam when you're talking to him in the meeting is kind of like you give him the tools in the toolbox. All right, here's the toolbox. Here's all the tools. Now you're the one that's got to go out there and perform and, and use them how you want to use them. And uh, he knows he has the flexibility to do that. Just like you said, I mean, th- you're going to have to take the good with the bad, you know, because there's a lot more good than there is bad for Sam. And, and um, you know, so just that comfort level that Sam has knowing that Hey, it's my game. It's my show. Uh, I may mess it up, but I, I got the flexibility to go out there and, and do the things that I need to do to go win the game. And more often than not, you're going to be a lot happier with you know with the decision he he makes and than the poor decisions. And uh, I think so far this season, I mean, he's been in a lot of situations where. You know, again, it goes back to the creativity side where he was able to get you in a good play that maybe, you know, things weren't going good at the time and, and he was able to do some things with the ball and, and create and create plays. And I never want to take that away from him. And, and if he throws an interception, I mean, it's one snap and clear. I mean, we'll talk about what happened and all those things, but we're not, we're not going to press the issue of, of, of an interception. We're going to get on to the next drive. We're going to get on to the next play. I, I love that mentality and think it's beautiful to say mm-hmm. you're living it in real time with a guy who's the cover boy of everything college football. How have you dealt with him in the last, you know, specifically the last week of Notre Dame game? You want to perform so well on such a big stage, things don't go your guys' way. Now you come back and you have to clear it because you got ASU, you got must win games the rest of the way. Right. Um, but quarterbacks always want to erase by maybe completing one pass that they think can erase an entire game, and that can't happen. So how do you gauge a, still a young player in Sam Darnold to make sure that he's not over-trying and being able to try easy and just trust the creativity you described? I think, you know, first of all, there's a lot of trust factor with Sam. I know when he when he has a bad play, he's going to go back to the sidelines. He's going to take a deep breath. You know, he's going to digest it. And then I know when he hits the field again, he's it's gone. And you can see that in his play. I, several times this year where he might have had a bad play, when he steps back on the field, I mean, the next play is usually an explosive play. And that's the difference between Sam and a lot of other quarterbacks where they're pressing, you know, uh, from the previous play. 
But he does a tremendous job of, you know, saying, all right, hey, I might have done something wrong that I shouldn't have done. Now I'm going to go take this next series and start from scratch like it's the beginning of the game. And the game, you know, you go back and you look at Notre Dame, you know, there's always two or three football plays that can that can change the momentum. We had a couple of those this past game. You know, you you don't have those plays, and all of a sudden you, it's a different ball game. So Sam knows that. That's what the maturity side of him comes into play. You know, he it's like he and I were talking. He said, gosh, Coach, you know, three, four plays, and it's a totally different game. You know, he understands that. So that's what you love to have in a quarterback, you know. And, and so long as he has a short memory, we're, we're always going to have a lot of success with him. How do you manage offensively this side of the ball with so much happening, no bye week to hit a little reset, O-line shuffling, young receivers trying to find themselves some injuries, your tight end back and forth, um, you know, a couple plays at the quarterback spot that you'd love to have back or maybe have a different outcome. Curious from a management standpoint, because you're in the weeds, you're game planning, you're literally game planning moments before this interview, but there's probably moments where you get to 10,000 feet to make sure the team is be able to cut it loose and let it rip. And I think fans would be curious to know the management of that side of the ball and how you do it with this young group that's been inconsistent in terms of healthy bodies throughout the season. Right. Uh, it's definitely, you know, it's a juggling act, that's for sure. I think, number one, it starts with the head coach, Clay. I think he does a great job with the, the mental makeup of the team. And he's his positivity and, and, and talking to the team and the discipline that he instills in the team. Um, and even even when, you know, th- things go wrong, it's a, it's a learning experience. It's a, it becomes a positive experience so that you hope that you can learn from that. So first, Clay does a great job with that. And then, you know, T does a great job of managing personnel. He realizes, hey, we got a lot of young guys. So there's going to have to be some guys rolling in there. You know, guys are going to get tired. There's some guys that aren't ready to play the whole game, but they're ready to play 10, 15 snaps a game. So the management of the personnel is huge, and I think T does a great job with that. And then, you know, you go go on to Coach Calway. You know, he's got two freshmen, true freshman alignment. And uh, those guys have done a tremendous job. And, you know, but at the same time, they're rolling a little bit, you know, to take the pressure off them. Um, you know, and it's just it's just one of those things. You don't have a buy. Uh, I think again, Clay tries to protect them body wise and, and throughout the week, and try to you know not maybe hit as much late in the season, and and try to keep the positive attitudes and the mojo going. And this is the one thing that's great about our team. We you know we we just came off a bad game last week. But there wasn't one guy that didn't walk into the meeting room, you know, on Monday and was just ready to go for this week. You know, and that's the sign of a mature team, you know, and that's what you want. And it's a direct reflection of the coaches. seems like you guys, you know, haven't been here for an extremely long period of time. But every time your back's been against the wall as a team, as a staff, as student-athletes, it's like you've thrived. And wondering to take us inside the meeting room of the competitors that you're around as those student-athletes, and why they enjoy that, or at least seem to perform their best when that is the opportunity? Um, I think that's why you come to USC, first and foremost, is that, you know, there's expectations. And I think um, when, you, when you have those expectations, it really, it really presses you to want to perform to be at your best. And so we're, we're always trying to, to be at our best. And I, I think you have a lot of guys on this team, too, including coaches, you know, that are been some pretty good players have been in a lot of fires that have been in a lot of battles you know and can understand what it takes to to be able to get to the to the other side when things aren't going well uh, and be able to press through the storm and uh, there's a lot of guys on the staff you know we've we've been in a lot of foxholes together a lot of battles together and um, and then it goes back to Sam you know I think you know your quarterback kind of sets the mentality and sets the tempo and if you look at Sam Darnold, whether we win or lose, his personality never changes. His demeanor never changes. You always have a, you always have a guy there that you know you're going into every game. Hey, we got a chance to win here, and that's the biggest thing. You know, is so long as that guy's in place and and he's confident and he's doing well, your team usually is going to going to follow suit. And so from top to bottom, I just think it's a it's a it's a good you know good experience, a, a good mojo, and and that's why we're able usually when our backs are against the wall to be able to press and go win some ball games. All right, so we got a uh, pseudo must win for the South at least. A lot at right. stake with you guys right. in Arizona State this weekend. It's Halloween weekend. That place will be absolutely <laughs> bonkers on Saturday. 
Do you think going on the road for a game like this with the stakes that are there is almost, you don't want to say it's ever better than playing at home, but the idea of, we got 65 of us. That's really all we got. We know it's going to be crazy, and that can allow the focus to be even tighter than it might be with everything that's happening in Los Angeles when you have a home game. Uh, yeah, I think um, there, there's there's kind of two scenarios that go on. It's the first scenario of hey, it's the next game, you know, and obviously it's a it's a it's a big one. It's a it's a to maintain the lead in the Pac-12 South, you know. So that's that's definitely on your mind there. So that motivation alone gets you gets you going, um, you know. And the other thing is again, you're coming off a, a week where you didn't perform as well as you wanted to, you know. That motivation is there. So. Um, what I see out of our guys right now is a determination. I see an excitement. I see, uh, you know, a, a bunch of guys that, that, that attention to detail this week has been unbelievable, you know, because they do realize, hey, that's, a, that's an Arizona State team that's playing really well. Um, you know, they, they've, they've found the formula for them the past couple weeks to, to win. It's going to be a hostile environment. Um, but we say, hey, let's make it our party. You know, when we go into an away game, but we're, we're trying to make it our party. We're trying to, to take over that arena. And uh, I think our guys will respond well. I love it. All right, before we let you go, uh, we issued a challenge to Sam Hunt. And postseason, we offered him the invitation to come here, or all of us, we go to Nashville, and we're going to have a little bit of quarterback competition <laughs> between he and Sam Darnold. Just want to get a commitment from you that you're in for that. Oh, you and I aren't going to play, but we'll kind of manage it. I'm you can in. coach it. I want to be in it. No, <laughs> even, all right, no, I, you're no, in. no, I'll coach it. No, I want to. I want to be. I want to definitely be there. And uh, heck, I wouldn't mind going to Nashville, get a little, little trip to Nashville. But that would be a heck of an experience. So I'm definitely all in. All right, all right, we're going to teach him some quarterback play, and hopefully he'll teach us some musical skills. <laughs> all right, that was awesome. Appreciate it, Coach yeah, Helton. Man. I'm Yogi Roth. This is the Season of Sam podcast. Big thanks to all of our guests today, Sam Hunt, of course, Sam Darnold, Coach Helton, and, of course, big thanks to everybody who makes this podcast happen. Executive producer Tim Kessel and Paul Goldberg, our producer Katie Ryan, cinematographer and editor Rich Rodriguez, and director of social media Jordan Moore. I'm Yogi Roth. Talk to you next week.